0: welcome to the simple church podcast where we're committed to helping you know god find freedom discover your purpose and make a difference let's get to today's message well, I've had a few weeks off, which I'm always thankful for a rest and a reprieve, and I'm also thankful for those that have uh, uh, spoke while I was out. Uh, we had uh, my wife got to speak, Jeff Sowers got to speak in, in, uh, in this series, and, and of course, Pastor Laney and Pastor Kyle uh, wrapping up the At The Movie series, and I'm always thankful for that reprieve because it allows me to fill my cup and be ready to pour out, and uh, today I'm ready to pour out, y'all. I'm ready. So uh, buckle your seatbelts. The Lord's giving me a message today. And uh, so I get to continue in this series called Socks and Underwear. What we're doing in this series is we're looking at the idea that ultimately, ultimately, God has given us what we need, but oftentimes not always what we want, right? He's given us exactly what we need. Sometimes I think we always, we like know what we want, but we aren't really aware of what we need. On the other side of that though is God. He knows exactly what we need. And so in this series where we've been unwrapping that concept and in the first message, my wife talked about uh, the, the idea that Jesus, when he came, he was the unexpected gift that we received. That when he was born, there was no pomp and circumstance. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords was born here and very few people knew. The shepherds knew, Mary and Joseph knew, her cousin Elizabeth knew. The wise men eventually knew and King Herod eventually knew, but there was, there was no fanfare. There was no celebration that the, the king was here. It went relatively unnoticed and he came in, even though there was many prophecies about his arrival, people just didn't know he was here. And he didn't come in the way that they expected him to. He didn't come in as a king with, with you know, a bunch of, 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 of jewelry and donkeys. And like that scene in Aladdin, when Aladdin shows up, you know what I am saying? make way for Prince Ali, right? Like we just expected that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords to come in with a whole like parade behind him. And it just didn't happen. It didn't happen that way. But he was the unexpected gift that God had for us. And then last week, Jeff shared with us about how Jesus was a gift that a lot of people, they they were like, wait a minute, this is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? And for whatever reason, they decided to go ahead and take it on back to the store and return the gift. You know what I'm saying? They they rejected the gift. They they didn't like the gift because of the wrapping or the packaging that it came in. They didn't like the the gift because of the message. They certainly didn't like uh, Jesus' message. They didn't like who he associated himself with. And they rejected this gift. This week, I get to talk about how Jesus is ultimately a gift that we need to receive. And I get to talk a little bit about how we can do that and and welcome him into our lives. Now, as we look into scripture, there are four accounts of Jesus' life. That's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, okay? And each one of these accounts has a different take on Jesus' life. In fact, Matthew and Luke are very meticulous. They go even back. Some of them get into the genealogies, like the the whole history of the Jewish people all the way down to Jesus. And they follow that bloodline and then they talk about his birth and his arrival here on earth. Mark, on the other hand, Mark is actually a book of, of a lot of action. There's a lot of uses of the word immediately in Mark because it's he's full of action. So Mark doesn't even waste time with the origin story. He gets right into the moment where Jesus takes action and begins his ministry. But John, John has a different approach. John looks at Jesus not in a human way. John looks at Jesus in the way that he should be looked at as fully man, but also fully God. And so John goes back to the OG story, the actual origin story, and not Jesus' birth on this earth origin story. He goes back to the beginning of creation. And he begins his book off saying, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He talks about Jesus' divinity, that he was God, and that he was enthroned there in heaven, and that he was sent here to earth. And so we've been looking at this series. We've been looking at things through the lens of John. And I want to pick up right there at John first John chapter or excuse me chapter 1 verse 11 and it says this that he came to that which was his own but his own did not receive him we talked about that last week yet to all who did receive him to those who opened their lives to him to those that that believed in him that's what it says to those who believed in his name he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent. So he's being clear here. This isn't a human thing. This is a very spiritual thing. So not born of natural descent nor human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. And today I wanna to zoom in on one part of this message because it will help us understand how to receive this gift of Jesus. He said, so if the verse is still up there, it says, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, watch this. Don't miss this part. He gave them the right to become children of God. That's a wonderful gift. That's an incredible gift. In fact, the only way to celebrate this kind of gift is to simply receive it. You ever given somebody a gift that a few weeks later you followed up with them to see if they liked it? You ever, you ever given somebody a gift like that, and you're like, "Hey, what'd you think?" You know, you were there when they opened it, but they didn't like fully open it or try it on or try it out. You know, they 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 went home to do that, and you find out that when they got home, they haven't opened it yet. And I spend some time, like it's been a reasonable about amount of time, like five minutes. You know, and they should have. You wanted them to be as excited about the gift as you were, right? I gave a gift to somebody this week. They pulled it out of the box. They were so excited about it. They they were wearing a hat. They took off the hat and immediately put the hat on, right? That's what you want when you give somebody a gift. You want them to open it up. You want them to do that. But you find out they haven't opened the gift yet. Huh, okay. I mean, I'd like to know if you like it or if you loved it or if you didn't like it at all and you re-gifted it or maybe you returned it for store credit. Like, you know, I mean, we've been on both sides of that, right? Well, we want to know. And then, and then, of course, when they said no, they hadn't opened it yet, so we follow up a month later, a little more sheepish-like, like, hey. You know, thank you, know, it's not the end of the world, but I haven't gotten one yet. <laughs> and you haven't said anything about it yet. Did you open that gift? And the answer is, like, it's still, you're nervous, and they're like, no, not yet, you know, but I'm so very thankful for it, right? How does it make you feel? It's like, oh, man. So I gave you the gift. You took the gift, but you didn't really receive the gift. You didn't really enjoy the gift. You didn't experience the gift because they haven't opened it. They haven't tried it out. Last summer, I got a gift from my wife. Uh, It wasn't Christmas time, not my birthday. But I had been uh, watching all these things on TikTok about making barbecue, like smoking meat. Anybody do that? I, I like to do that. And it makes me feel like because it looks so easy on the videos that I could do it myself. And so I said to my wife, I said, you know, I've been watching all these videos. I think I could probably do that. I think I'd like to give that a whirl. I don't have a smoker. And so my wife bought me a smoker. She bought it for me. I was, so, I was like, oh, my goodness, this is so amazing. We're going to have smoked meat All the time. We're going to have some brisket. We're going to have some some pork. It's going to be so good. All the time. (laughs) And as you can probably guess, I haven't even opened that smoker yet. Oh, shame, shame. You know your name. I actually thought about bringing it here and giving it away as a gift because I'm not sure I'm ever going to open it. But I felt like that would be bad form. Is she smiling or is she grimacing over here? I don't want to look. Oh, I'm in trouble. I didn't do that, okay? But it, it's sitting in the shed. That's not a gift that I've really received, right? We, we haven't had any smoked meat unless somebody else has made it for us, so we've bought it. But just like that, Jesus is a gift that was made available to all of us, to every single one of us. And a lot of us is a gift, for, for us, this gift of Jesus is a gift we've... We acknowledge it. Oh, it's in our hands. But we're not doing anything with it. We haven't received it fully. As a kid, did you ever get instructions when you were going to your grandparents' house or to to a place where you knew your parents knew you were gonna be gifted with something? And they gave you instructions on how your face is supposed to look when you open the present? Yeah. Especially as kids, right? It's like, okay, whatever Grammy gives you, and you know that, that Grammy, what Grammy's gonna give you is she's knitted these socks and Grammy's worked so hard on all year long. And we know this is what she's given you for the last 10 years, but when you get them, your face needs to be (laughs) full of smiles and you better say thank you, right? Anybody ever had that happen? Oh yeah, we understand. Even when the gift is socks and underwear, (laughs) we're supposed to be thankful for the gift. It's a gift we need but it's not one we necessarily want under the tree. And some gifts are are like that. You know, one year I got a snow shovel for Christmas. It's something I needed, but not something I wanted under the tree because this snow shovel had a bend in it. It was a back saver. And if you know me, I got back issues and shoveling snow is not always fun. And I was certainly thankful for the gift because I needed it, but it's not what I wanted under the tree. And I think we've all had experiences like that. We've had gifts that we were given that were kind of unexpected. Gifts that for whatever reason kind of catch us off guard. Maybe it's a gift that made you go, huh? Like, what what am I supposed to do with this? What, What exactly is this? You ever got a gift like that? Or maybe you get a gift and you're just confused as to why it was given to you. Why would I want this particular thing? Or maybe you think like, how in the world did they even get this? So I'm talking about like rare items custom items, items that are like, we're talking like movie props or that there's just one of them in the world. Or Maybe you get get received a gift and you're just simply overwhelmed by the level of generosity that is on display and you feel like, wow, this is just way too much. So I wonder, can you think of a gift that totally took you off guard? You were surprised by it because it was totally unexpected and it doesn't have to be a Christmas gift. And if you can, I'm going to give you 30 seconds to share with the people sitting around you. Go ahead and do that now. Share an unexpected gift that totally caught you off guard. Go. Go. Now, I didn't intend for this to happen, but it did happen today, and somebody gave me a gift, and she said, by the way, when you open this, if you need some explanation, you let me know. And so I opened this this morning, and, uh, and it's got Simple Church on it, and it's got my name. I knew what it was instantly. It was a sweat rag from my forehead because I sweat so much. This is an unexpected gift, and I'm like, wow, somebody saw me and notices me. Thank you so much. But I also asked this week, I was, I asked for, for stories to be shared. I was like, you know, anybody have any stories of this that you could share with me? And, and many of you shared, shared stories of custom expensive sneakers that were given to you, mission trips that were paid for. Someone simply heard you talk about an item and they purchased it for you and that made you feel seen and loved or even experiencing unaccepted acceptance or unexpected acceptance and love in a church. But well, the story that, that really moved my heart was a story that uh, Michelle shared. And, and I'm just going to read what she said. She said, When I was a little girl, mom had the tough job of sitting all the children down and telling us that this Christmas there wouldn't be any gifts because they couldn't afford it. We were devastated, but we knew mom would move heaven and earth to give us good, a good Christmas. And it wasn't about the gifts, we never brought it up. However, I know all of us were secretly believing mom could work one of her miracles. And she did, mom prayed. Christmas Eve comes around and we are and we are all playing when a knock comes at the door. It was a church member. He found out about our struggles and went out and bought all of us gifts. They weren't brand new, but we didn't care. We got gifts that year. He even brought us a turkey so that we could have a Christmas dinner. Later, she added to that story because she told her mom that she was sharing the story with us. And her mom told her this. You know that story I shared about Christmas? Well, I was talking to mom about it and she said that no one had told him about our situation. God told him, and his story was, he was a pimp and a drug dealer, and mom was the only one in the church that invited him into our home to fellowship with him, and he wanted to give back. This morning, I told Michelle that I was sharing her story, and she said, oh, I found out more. She said, that man is today a pastor. Oh, I love stories like that. And the gift of Jesus, though it was foretold, though it was predicted many times over hundreds of years, upon his arrival, he caught all the people off guard. God gave his son to this world as a gift. That's what John three sixteen tells us. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Man, what a gift Jesus is, right? Here's a guy, he leaves heaven. He becomes a human to experience all that we go through so that he can relate to us. He's born of a virgin as a baby. He was tempted like all of us, yet without sin. He laid down his life to pay the price for our sins, brutally tortured and murdered on a cross. He conquered death, hell, and the grave and was raised to life again on the third day. Now he's seated in heaven waiting on the day that his heavenly father says, hey son, go get him he's waiting. That's the gospel message. That's what a gift that Jesus is to us. He did all of this for us so that we could become joint heirs with him in the glory that God has prepared for him. Those who believe have the right to become children of God. So the question is, how do we receive such a gift, such an overwhelming gift, such an unexpected one? The answer is simple. There's three things we can do today. And the first thing is to receive it with gratitude because you didn't pay for it. Receive it with gratitude because you didn't pay for it. You ever given a gift to somebody and and they open their gift and then they give you a gift and you open their gift and it's way better than yours. And all of a sudden you're feeling a little small about the gift that you gave. You ever feel that way? Oh man, that, that feels terrible. They got you something that you couldn't afford they got you something that, that you probably wouldn't be able to find or they made something for you that you couldn't make yourself. And the, the beautiful thing is in those scenarios is they don't expect you to match their gift-giving energy. They know, oftentimes, they know that, that you could not match the kind of gift that they're giving. They don't do it to play matchy-matchy. They do it because they love you. They do it because they appreciate you, because they value you or are thankful for something you did. Or maybe they just enjoy you. And this is the reason they gave this unexpected, overwhelming gift. Now, have you ever opened a high value gift and then you realize that the gift that you have for them to give is too small and all of a sudden you're like, nah, I forgot your gift. (laughs) Nobody wants to own that one, huh? Ah, it's still in the mail. (laughs) Issues with the tracking or something like that, I don't know, it's just, I'm not really clear on it. (laughs) It's awkward because you know that your gift doesn't compare to theirs to what they just gave you. It's difficult. We make excuses. We start stuttering and stammering. But gift giving isn't about the price tag or the effort. It's about the heart. It's about your motivation in the gift that matters. That's all that counts. That's what makes an over-the-top, unexpected gift receivable. It's all about the heart and the intent of good for you. It's about them thinking of you. It was a gift. So we receive it and accept it Graciously, with gratitude. That first Christmas, God gave us a gift in Jesus. You know that? He gave us a gift. Now, talk about a guy who has it all. (laughs) Jesus, he's fully man, he's fully God. He left heaven enthroned in glory. All that we could have and give to him as a gift, or everything we could make, everything we could buy, he already owns it all because he created it all. It's all his. We're talking about the dude who's got the whole world in his hands. He got the, How can you outgive a guy like that? You can't match his level of gift-giving. You just can't. Everything belongs to him. So what can we possibly offer him <clears throat> that he doesn't already have? And the answer is simply this, it's your heart. That's all he has ever wanted. Because see, though he created you, he does not force you to love him. He does not force you to love him. He loves us and so he gave and he wants us to receive that gift. And in response to that, he wants us to place our trust in his son by giving him our hearts to demonstrate our love to him through our obedience and our devotion. We need to simply receive the gift of Jesus with gratitude. And we need to do that for the first time. The first time you say yes to Jesus, receive it with gratitude, thanking him for all he's done for you. And then I'm gonna encourage you that every day, Every day that you begin your time in prayer, to begin it with gratitude. Oh, and by the way, to make sure you include saying thank you for Jesus. The Bible says to enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. We approach God with gratitude in our hearts. And there's four things Specifically, if you want to thank God specifically for four things Jesus gave us in his death, his burial, and his resurrection, they are simply this and they're found in a prophecy of Isaiah. And what I'm getting ready to read to you is the the message paraphrase. In other words, it's a pastor who took scripture, put it into his own words. So so here's what it says in Isaiah 53. It's kind of long, but go with me here. It says, the servant grew up before God. So Isaiah is talking about Jesus. A scrawny seedling, a scrubby plant, and a parched field. There was nothing attractive about him, nothing to cause us to take a second look. He was looked down on and passed over a man who suffered, who knew pain firsthand. One look at him and people turned away. We looked down on him, thought he was scum. But the fact is, it was our pains he carried, our disfigurements, all the things wrong with us. We thought he brought it on himself, that God was punishing him for his own failures. But it was our sins that did that to him, that ripped and tore and crushed him, our sins. He took the punishment and that made us whole. Through his bruises, we get healed. We're all like sheep who've wandered off and gotten lost. We've all done our own thing, gone our own way, and God has piled all our sins, everything we've done wrong on him, on him. He was beaten, he was tortured, but he didn't say a word. Like a lamb taken to be slaughtered and like a sheep being sheared, he took it all in silence. Justice miscarried and he was let off. And did anyone really know what was happening? He died without a thought for his own welfare, beaten bloody for the sins of my people. They buried him with the wicked, threw him in a grave with a rich man, even though he'd never hurt a soul or said one word that wasn't true. Still, it's what God had in mind all along to crush him with pain. The plan was that he would give himself as an off- offering for sin so that he'd see life come from it, life, life, and more life. And God's plan will deeply prosper through him out of that terrible travail of soul he'll see that it's worth it and be glad he did it. Through what he experienced, my righteous one, my servant will make many righteous ones as he himself carries the burden of their sins. Therefore, I'll reward him extravagantly, the best of everything, the highest honors because he looked death in the face and didn't flinch because he embraced the company of the lowest. He took on his shoulders the sin of many. He took up the cause of all the black sheep. Can I get an amen? My goodness, I feel like I had to just drop the mic and walk away. We're just done here. We're going to pray, all right? But to all the black sheep, to all the sinners, he offers four things. The first thing he offers is salvation, and we know that. Jesus died so that we could be forgiven of our sins and have a full and fulfilled life here on this earth, but eternity in heaven with him as well. The second thing he died for was for our redemption, to take all of our bad days and use them for our good and for his glory. We call it him taking our mess and turning it into our message. He offers us healing, not just physically, healing in your heart, healing for your mind, healing for your relationships in every area of your life and then transformation man talk about a life that has been forever changed not only do you get a redo and a start over but my goodness everything about your life can change because of Jesus this is the gift that he offers us so let's receive this gift with gratitude every day the second thing we second way we can receive this gift is to receive it with humility because ultimately none of us can afford it this isn't something that we can pay for It's humbling to accept such a gift like this, isn't it? It's very humbling, especially when you consider the cost that he paid because though it was free for us, it cost him everything. He laid down his life for us. What I love about things that we do here at this church, one of my favorite programs is is holiday hope, is that every year we have an opportunity to step into spaces where families are hurting in this season and offer them some hope. And we provide gifts for the, for the kids. They give us a wish list and we go out and we shop for them. And then we give those gifts to the parents. So the parents can then wrap those gifts and give it to them as if they were the ones giving it to them. That not only are we providing a need for the kids, but we're restoring dignity in this moment. And I love that. I love what we get to do. So we invite those families who are, are struggling in Christmas to register. We bless the kids, give them this, those gift options. And, uh, and we got to do all of that this week. But as beautiful as that is, you know that it's still hard to, to say those words? In fact, there are three things that are really hard to say in life. I'm sorry. I need help. And where's your sister's sure, 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 sauce, sure, sauce? If you need help, just say, wash your sister's sauce and it's all over. You got it. <laughs> those are... A... But it's humbling to have to ask for help, isn't it? It's humbling to have to say... I'm in need. It's hard for us to go, I'm struggling. I I don't have a way out of my situation, especially if that situation was from your own doing. Like you overspent, or you miscalculated, or poor choices, or you failed to save. Whatever the situation is, no matter how you got in that situation, you're in it. And it's hard to say, I need help. And we make it easy here at Simple Church. We respond joyfully. And we are thankful for the opportunity to serve these families. This year, we sponsored 300 kids. 300 kids. What an incredible effort. Can we give God a praise today? Come on. Now, I want to take a moment just to honor a few of those people. So if you're in this room and you are part of the planning committee for Holiday Hope, would you mind standing to your feet? Hold all your applause. If you're part of the planning committee, they might all be serving somewhere. All right. we got a few. All right. Now... There you go. <laughs> yeah. up here busy taking notes. So, uh, no, stay standing, stay standing for me. If you were one of the people who sponsored a child, please stand. If you are a sponsor of a child, please stand. If you shopped for a child, please stand. If you were one of the elves who helped give out the gifts this week, either in person at the church or you were one of the elves on Santa's sleigh that went and made deliveries this weekend, please stand. Simple Church, can we honor these people for their gifts of service and all that they have done to serve these 300 kids this year? Thank you, guys. Thank you. Love you. So proud of you guys. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, it's important to admit that we need help. And it's even more important to receive that help because there are people who want to be a blessing to you. And the Bible is full of one another's and ways that we are to respond to one another and to serve one another. But we have to be willing to take that first step and say, I need help. It's important that we understand that we have a responsibility to say that we need help but some of us don't. And the reason we don't is, is maybe our pride or maybe we've asked for help before or maybe in that asking we were shamed. But honestly, when you're in a space like this, it's important to do it, especially amongst God's people because why wouldn't we let people have an opportunity to experience what Jesus said, that it is better to give than it is to receive. We talk about it here. Why would you rob somebody of an opportunity to be a blessing to you, to pray for you? when you're in need. And so we have, to, we have to humbly admit that. We need some help. Pastor Rick Warren from his book, Purpose Driven Life, said that true humility isn't thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. It, it means you don't think that you're low and that you're, you're a dirt bag because you need help. It's that don't worry about what anybody's gonna think about you when you need help. Don't worry about how you're going to appear. Humble yourself. That's what that is. Don't be, don't be worried about that. Stop worrying what they'll think about you or your situation. Stop thinking about yourself. We belong to each other and it is our great joy to love and serve one another and demonstrate the love that we have received from God towards each other, especially when in need. Now there's a truth that we have to acknowledge about our condition. Every single one of us in here needs a savior. Each of us is a sinner whose only option is to pay for our sins eternally in a place that the Bible describes as hell. See, our effort, our good works aren't good enough. They simply aren't to pay for our sins. The Bible says that our our righteousness, in other words, the best that we can do is as filthy rags. It's just not good enough. But Jesus could pay for our sins and he did. We couldn't afford it. We still can't. We're never going to be able to afford it either. So let's receive the gift that he paid for with humility by receiving it completely. We have to learn to be honest about our condition, about our depravity and our need. And with humility, receive the gift of Jesus because what he's done for us is perfectly said by Paul in 2 Corinthians 9, 15. He says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. And boy, it is that, isn't it? It is an indescribable gift, and Jesus is that. So let's receive the gift of Jesus with gratitude. Let's receive it with humility. That's important. And the last way we need to receive it is with joy. We need to receive this gift with joy because we don't deserve it. You don't deserve it, and neither do I. None of us deserve this gift. Jesus and what he did isn't because we deserve it. Now that's an interesting conversation, isn't it? About what we deserve. Hmm. You ever bought gifts for a room full of people, for your siblings, for your kids, for your friends or your coworkers? And what happens is what happens all the time. Sometimes it's internal, sometimes it comes out of our mouths, but we start comparing the gift that we received from one person to the gift that they gave another. (laughs) We get into that space it always emerges, is do- doesn't it? She got two. I want another one. <laughs> it's the attitude of I deserve more. Or his g- gift costs way more than mine. The attitude of I deserve better. Or I gave better gifts than they did. Next year, they deserve less. Ooh, Ooh I did almost somebody. Ouch. <laughs> Dang, James. That was a, for those of you new with us, that was a series we did a few months back. Hmm. Deserve is an interesting conversation. When you look it up, deserve means to do something or have or show qualities worthy of a thing, that you deserve it. And when you consider what it is we actually deserve from each other or more importantly from God, well, I don't think we'd want it. None of you actually knew what you deserve. Because what we deserve, or rather what we are owed, uh, based on what we do have or are worthy of, it's just not good, friends. It's not good. Our Bible makes it plain what it is we deserve. Romans 3.23 says, everyone is sin. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. So let me just level the playing field real quick. Every single one of us in here is a sinner. You're a thinner, and you're a thinner, and you're definitely a thinner, and you're a thinner, and you're a thinner, and I'm a sinner. We're all sinners. We've all sinned. We've all sinned. If that offended you because you felt like I was pointing at you, these lights make it so I can't see you, so I don't know who I was pointing at. Don't be mad at me. I'm just, here, I'll just do this. All right, now everybody's offended. You need to understand our sin separates us from a very holy God. He is righteous. He is pure. We are not. And our sin creates this chasm, a vast chasm that we cannot cross to get to God on our own. It's just not possible. Our sin, though, does entitle us to something. Hey, hooray. As the most entitled generation ever, we're excited about the things we're entitled to. Oh, no? Okay. Maybe not this one. You know where I'm going. Spoiler alert. Sin entitles us to something. There's not anything to be excited about because what it entitles us to is death. Romans 6, 23 says, for the wages of sin, in other words, the payment for it, here's what you've earned. Here's what you're entitled to. Here's what you deserve is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. It's a free gift to us, guys. It's free. It costs him everything, but it's free for us. F-R-E-E. You know, people line up for free stuff. They do. You can see it on Facebook Marketplace. People line up for free stuff. Stuff they don't even need because it says free. There's even, like, there's even like groups on Facebook now that are just free gifting websites. So you can sell stuff, but this one's just for free stuff. And they give like curb alert or like, hey, by the way, this is going in the dumpster tomorrow if it's not picked up and who's claiming it. And people claim it. And, and you'll talk to some of those people who claim some of those things. It's like, well, did you need that many dog bowls? Well, do you have a dog? No, 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 don't, definitely don't. But someday I might. And it'd be nice to have them for when? We line up for the free stuff. Some of you are feeling very seen, and I'm not talking about anybody in this room particularly. I'm just saying, in general, they line up for the free stuff. It's, it's nice to have. And there's nothing wrong with taking advantage of the free stuff, okay? So if you're feeling like I'm, that's not in my space, I'm just saying, we, we take some, sometimes we take free stuff that we don't even need. And yet Jesus is something that is given to us for free, and we don't take it. We don't take hold of it. We don't receive it. We don't enjoy it. A lot of us are Christians. We said yes to Jesus, but we haven't fully unpacked that gift to see what else. See, Jesus paid for a lot of things for us to have in his death, burial, and resurrection than just fire insurance so that we don't go to hell. There's more. There's more. We don't deserve that gift. We aren't worthy of it, and we can't afford it. God made it free. What we are, what we do deserve, what we are worthy of, and what we can't afford is death. Now, let me be really clear. You say, everybody's going to die, Aaron. That's not a scary thing. No, this word death here means the absence of life. And they're talking about the absence of the creator of life. Because he is the source of life. We're not talking about the life that is in your body. Because by the way, it's his breath that is in our lungs. It is his life that he has given us. And I wanna be really, really clear here when we talk about hell, people get all upset and how could you love of God who is willing to send people to hell? God doesn't send people to hell. We choose to go to hell. In fact, hell is giving us what we insisted on having our entire lives, which is the absence of God's presence from it. And in hell, we get what we pursued. I don't think any, like if you wind up in hell, it's because you pushed God away. And you said, no Thanks. Eternity without him is hell. That would be hell. But that, based on our sins, is what we deserve. And our sin is something we can't pay for on our own. But Jesus can pay for it, and he did. He absolutely did. He gave his life, not only for us to be forgiven but and to enjoy heaven, but to become children of God. And this is that part that I want to focus on because this is really important. Back to, to our verse that we started with in John 1, 12, Yet to all who did receive him... To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Now, you know what that language is? That's adoption language. That's beautiful language. Because when you consider the merit of a kid, just a kid alone, without knowing the personality, without knowing anything about them, without knowing their future, without knowing what they would become, when you consider a kid and the things that you're going to give effort to, a kid can't make you wealthy. In fact, it's quite the opposite. Nothing wrong with that. We give from our hearts. We're thankful for our children. I'm not knocking that. I'm just saying, go with me here, okay? But a kid can't make you wealthy. A kid a kid or a child has no skills. You're not like going to put them to work in your kingdom. You know what I'm saying? Some of you are like, um, actually, my parents do. I have this thing called chores. Yeah, no, no, that's appropriate, all right? That's totally fine. But you understand what I'm saying? Like, you're not, you're not acquiring a, an employee. You're not in, acquiring somebody with a skill that you need. And, and so if you, when you look at just a child, just on a surface level, a child would have very little worth to you. There was no reason why you would adopt on your own or on their own merit. In fact, we know that merit doesn't lie in us. Merit lies in how the person who's choosing us sees us. That's how God sees us. He sees our merit. We are worthy to him. We are loved. We are favored. We are pursued. We are chosen. Because really, what can we offer? An all-powerful, all-knowing God. What merit is there? Can we add anything to him? No. Because you know how sometimes you're in relationships, you're like, oh my goodness, you complete me? God's not in that space. He doesn't need you or me to complete him. He's complete on his own. We're not adding anything to God. There's nothing we can do that he can't already do himself. The Bible describes him as more than able. More than able. I don't even know what that looks like. He's able, but he's more than able. And he owns everything. Again, talk about a gift dilemma. He literally has it all. But he chooses us. He made a way, paid a price for us to not only be saved, but grafted into his family, adopted, and made his child. I'm adopted, and I'm thankful for that. My father left my mother when I was one. And and leaving her, he left me. And then along came Steve DeLong, and he fell in love with my mother. And he had a decision to make. Am I going to love these boys? Because might me and my older brother, am I going to love these boys too? And he chose to love us too. In fact, he went further than just saying, yeah, I'm going to choose to love you. He chose to make me his son. Now, this happens a lot of times. We have a father in name, like somebody that is a father figure to us. But my dad chose to legally accept the full responsibility to be my father to provide for me. That means that any entanglements my biological father had to me are now severed. And he is fully responsible for me. Not only was he fully responsible for me financially, he was responsible for me relationally. He gave me a new name. I was born James Aaron Ferguson and I'm James Aaron DeLong today. Changed my name, gave me a new life. Changed everything. He took responsibility for me. Provided he corrected and he loved me. And this is what God is offering to us. And it's totally undeserved. Romans 8:15 says, The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. Some of you are like, I'm really confused. Isn't Abba that group that does dancing queen? I sang it in my head, but I wasn't going to attempt that. It's way out of my register. <laughs> Abba is a word that was used. It was Aramaic, which is one of the languages they spoke as a result of the Persian Empire. And in Aramaic, it's, it's a word that children would use. It was actually a mispronounced word, and it came out of their word Abba. But it was the way that they spoke to their fathers. It was like saying today, like, like you know, everybody's got dad, but it's like the word daddy. It's intimate, it's special. It speaks to the, the, the proximity and the closeness and the intimacy of that relationship. And that's what God is offering us through Jesus. It's not this surface level relationship. It's not this standoffish transactional relationship or a relationship where he demands that you bow down and lower yourself. No, the relationship is deep. The relationship is trusting. It's childlike in its nature. A child trusts his father without restraint and runs to them regularly and joyfully, don't they? I love being a dad. I love experiencing the intimacy of being uh, a father. And I love the relationship with my kids. I love their love. I love their trust. I'm so thankful for it. And I remember special things, you know, that, that my kids did to demonstrate that love and that trust. When I would come home from work, they all ran to me with daddy. They'd just scream, run to me and pile on me. Now the dogs do it, my kids are all grown. (laughs) It's okay, I'll be all right. I got this hanky. (sighs) When they made something, my kids couldn't wait to show it to me, they were proud. When they were hurt, they came to me for comfort. When they were lost, they called out to me for rescue which sometimes was my doing because I would walk away from them in a store intentionally and hide just to see what they would do. (laughs) When they don't know what to do, they ask me what I would do. When they don't understand, they ask for my insight. When they're tired, they let me carry them to bed. Every night I got kisses and long hugs. Long hugs. That was Tyler's thing. He didn't want to go to bed, so he would hug you and say, long hugs. (laughs) I got I love yous every night. In the morning, I got even longer hugs and cuddles. (laughs) And now, due to technology, I hear from them all day long sometimes. This is the intimacy of the relationship that I experience because I'm their daddy. I'm their daddy. And I have to tell you, friends, this is what God is offering you. When we tell you that you can know God, that's the kind of way you can know God. That you can run to him when you need comfort. That you can turn to him when you're lost and call out to him. That you can have, find in him everything that you need and you can talk to him all day long. He offers this incredible, indescribable gift that we should just receive joyfully. I understand sometimes we struggle with that. I get it. Sometimes we just feel like it's just too much. We feel like because of the American culture, we've gotta earn it, we've gotta make our way. We've gotta do this. I've gotta stand on my own two feet. I gotta be able to afford it. Or maybe some of you push back and go, well, I'm not on the nice list, I'm on the naughty list. I can't have that. Regardless of these things, God loves us and desires to be in relationship with us. He gave us the right to become his child. I have three kids, one of each. Figure that out. It's twin boys and a girl. I share DNA with with two out of three of them. DNA. But they're all my kids. Now, how they became my kids is very different, and this is part of my story. The boys were born out of a sinful act. I was doing the thing before marriage, and we got pregnant. And it was with twins. And though I was not making wise choices, they are not mistakes. And I've never received them as a mistake. Don't you dare ever call them a mistake. Because I might have to set aside my Jesus for a second. (laughs) I'm kidding about that. I love my boys with all my heart, but nothing, nothing, there's nothing I would change about our story, nothing. It's beautiful, it's full of redemption, it's full of grace. It's beautiful what God has done. My daughter was also born out of similar circumstances, but not from my choices or my actions. She's not a mistake either, not at all. Her story is beautiful, full of redemption, and full of grace too. But the thing that makes my fatherly relationship different with her from the boys is that I chose her. I chose her. See, the boys came along not by intentional choice. I mean, maybe by intentional actions, but not by intentional choice. We're just being real here, right? Okay. But I wasn't doing that thing to have kids. They were born my sons and they always will be, but my daughter, she became my daughter legally. By choice when I adopted her she's my child even though we don't share any DNA (laughs) she acts a lot like me too you'd swear she was my kid DNA (laughs) and here's what I love she receives all the same benefits as the two boys that share my DNA that when I pass from this earth all of my belongings are divided equally amongst my children I give myself fully to her just as I give myself fully to my boys. And this, my friends, is what God has done for us. He chose us to give himself fully to. Galatians 4, verse 4 says this, But when the set time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. So let's receive this gift Let's receive it with gratitude because we didn't pay for it. Let's receive the gift of Jesus with humility because we cannot afford it. And let's receive the gift of Jesus with joy because we don't deserve it. Let's pray. I wonder in this room as we're sitting here talking with every head bowed and every eye closed, that there might be some of you that would identify and say, you know what, Aaron, I'm one of those Christians. I've said yes to Jesus, but I've not fully opened this gift that I haven't explored my relationship with him. I I don't regularly read my Bible. I don't regularly pray and talk to God. I don't don't take other spiritual steps. Like I've not gone through growth track. I'm I'm not in grow groups where I'm learning to become more like Jesus. I don't serve on the dream team. I'm, I'm, I'm not taking any other steps. And I wonder if today you realize and recognize God has more for you, that it's time to open that gift, to experience everything that Jesus paid for you to have. And I wonder today if you'd make a decision that 2024 is going to be the year that you fully receive that gift to fully engage with it, all that he has for you to have to experience. Freedom, joy, peace, hope, brand new starts, transformed mind, brand new life, and so much more. And I wonder if you would just take a moment. I'm gonna be silent for 30 seconds and I want you to listen to your own heart and think about, I need to make a decision 30 seconds of silence feels like a long time, but I'm hoping that in that 30 seconds, you, you are able to consider what are my next steps, and that you today would make a commitment to the Lord. I pray over every heart right now that is making that decision. I pray that 2024 and the, from this day forward would, would represent a new life for them. It would represent a new life because they're making a decision to open this gift of Jesus that you've given us to receive it completely. Father, I pray that you would make clear some of our next steps. Some of those steps are easy, growth track and getting into a group and joining a team and being part of these things and also reading our Bibles and praying. But, but some of us, we, we're already doing those things, but there's more. Whatever that more is, I pray that you would make it clear and that you would begin opening those doors, clearing the way. And then in this moment, as we continue in this, in this time of prayer, with every head bowed and every eye closed still, Maybe there's some of you that you need to say yes to Jesus today. Some of you are saying yes to everything Jesus has or for more that Jesus has for you, but today somebody's taking their first step or maybe you're making a return. And right now, if you want to be included on that prayer, I'm going to pray that prayer. I'd just love to know, hey, Aaron, I'm making that decision to say yes to Jesus today. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up right now? Would you say, yeah, I'm doing that right now. Hands up, hands up, hands up. Now, everybody, let's pray together. Nobody praying alone. Say, Jesus, I need you. Please forgive me of my sins and make me brand new. Fill me with your spirit and show me how to live for you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. If you made that commitment today, I need you to know that the Bible says heaven's having a party. Simple Church, celebrate with those who said
1: yes to Jesus today. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode. We hope it has given you hope and helped you know God a little bit more. The goal of this podcast is to reach beyond our walls and connect with people far from God. If you'd like to join us in doing that, there are several ways for you to get involved.